Well, Which, yeah, we're back. We are back after a brief hiatus because life is is a pain in the ass sometimes. But here we are with uh, World's Strongest Opinions, episode 35 with Derek Owen, Owens. Almost, almost screwed your name up. Pretty <laughs> simple. That, pretty, you and I are ready for that. Pretty hard one to screw up. Yeah. <laughs> Derek pretty Owens, generic. promoter extraordinaire, man. Welcome wow, to the what show. Yeah. yeah, I was telling him. I was like, we, I was like, you're one of the best promoters in Texas, possibly wow. actually the best. I'd say objectively. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. I was like, yeah. Well, I think you're getting a bit of a, a um, what am I trying to say? Uh, people know you, man. Um, I keep hearing. I'm uh, I'm hoping that I keep that reputation going in the most positive way possible. Yeah, you're building a good reputation. I mean, even. I mean, even Luke Davies has made some positive comments about you. So that's worldwide. Yeah, that's yeah, not, no, that's Luke, not bad from little old Texas. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, isn't Texas like the same size as England? But yeah, anyways, that's a that's another like, podcast. Probably the size of like five Englands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's we're huge. We're, Luke we're Luke, Luke Davies is a, actually a guy. Um, Davis, keep, Davis. I said it. It's Davis. Damn it. Luke Davis. Oh, it is, isn't it? It's Here, Davis. let's cut this out. He probably won't even start watching uh this early on. So just <laughs> Mr. or it's sir, it's it's uh Lord Lord Luke. He's a, isn't he a lord over there in Wales? Probably. He should be. He should oh, be though. Be. But I uh I use him, he's definitely in my um circle of opinions. I bounce ideas off of for, for some for some time now. I met him in um I met him in uh 2001 at Worlds, man, and ever since then, it's just a guy I could really trust. And if I ever am unsure about anything or I just need to bounce some ideas off of, I definitely go to him. So, really good guy. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. he's a good friend of the show. Everything figure it's coming up on the Chaos Classic, so figured it would be nice to have you on, but also to like talk about exactly what you do to like run a good show because at least. Every time I've checked, you have a full roster, 100 competitors, big wait list. Everyone wants to do it. And then, like, half of Texas is wondering why, like, their shows don't fill up despite, like, triple booking weekends and such. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. And at the end of the day, a lot of it's subjective. Um, more or less, the direction that we all kind of want to take the sport to is kind of where the, the answers lie. Yeah. I think it makes a big What difference. are the answers? Where do the answers lie? That's yeah. where do you start? Yeah, I think a good question is to actually like where are we in the sport? Where is the sport? Where's the So I my biggest focus is the amateur scene. And a lot of people they get caught up in what they see with the big shots. Like I'm talking about like the the Shaw and the big boys at the top though and and what the pros are doing isn't what the amateur scene seems to be working on. You know what I'm saying? And that's my biggest focus being a, a local amateur um, promoter myself though. So that's, that's kind of where my focus lies. Um, it's totally different because you're not working with 20 pros. You're, I'm working with like a hundred athletes sometimes though. And kind of cultivating a good atmosphere. It's, it's totally different than what you do if you just had a bunch one weight class, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. Does that does that include like the uh, format of events? Um, and I guess my thoughts: the big difference to me between pros and worlds and amateurs, amateurs still learning the basics, uh, 
is it do you how do you feel about the necessity to have these crazy events at amateur shows versus you know having them still focusing on the basics to build that foundation man um i love seeing crazy events i see i love seeing unique events i love seeing different events and um that's what that's what makes strongman beautiful you know what i'm saying there's not there's not a, a squat bench deadlift there's not a there's not a, a jerk and a over there's not key components of the sport that make it i believe anything that's well thought out and well constructed can be fantastic that being said um a lot of amateur promoters they just don't test out their events they have these ideas but to really have it come into fruition and actually cultivate a good event takes practice and a lot more thought than just like some harebrained idea you know and Absolutely. i too many times do i see really like on paper you see like dude this comp's gonna be awesome it's got some crazy cool events and then you're like how are they going to execute this is if there's a if there's i mean ideally a good uh crazy event they're like ideally like 20 competitors to get through smoothly but if you're going to have a, a good cap between like 15 80 competitors you need a well constructed and well thought out event that's going to just blow through it you know what i mean right and something that's not going to fall apart <laughs> or get damaged and then that's the worst i mean in my experience and you know as an amateur way back when is when somebody only had one implement for the entire field and it didn't make it through <laughs> yeah and then I, you're like then you're down an event or you have to like improvise on the fly yes and these these come into um a good promoter a good experienced promoter is is not only not letting your equipment fall apart but it's also planning ahead and understanding like what can this equipment handle dude i've been out of competition before i, I am not going to name any names and name any competitions though but i've been out of competition before where the third less than 10 people i don't know the exact number but like there weren't even 10 people to do this event and the it was a sandbag loading and it what what it was built on just collapsed and they had to they had to squirm around they had to go grab some drills and at the end of the day um the, i mean the first red flag would have been it was made of wood it was it was made of wood and it dude i, I wish i could have taken a picture though of it but it the it was made of like a couple two by fours and a piece of like plywood on top of it and it was insane here's and, the funny thing though about about strongman it's so small you don't even though you don't say names they know who they are uh, i mean honestly <laughs> you're not lying if the person who put on that show is watching this right now they know exactly who they are they know exactly who they are yeah absolutely yep. <laughs> uh anyways and, and that being said that being said i've made i've made my fair amount of mistakes i've made mistakes over the years i've been doing this for almost seven years now I had the opportunity to get started at a uh, Metroflex Plano um, with uh, Chris Close. Took me under his wing, and um, I just fell in love instantly. I love, I love the idea of, of planning things. I love, I love promoting. Um, anyways, that being said, I've made some mistakes, and I've learned from my mistakes, and I've pushed through those things. And what really hurts for me to see is I, I feel like I'm at this point. I've been promoting in Texas longer than anybody else that's promoting right now. All the other promoters, I've been doing it longer. And what's upsetting is I want the sport to grow. And to do so, we need more competitions, more thoroughly planned out competitions. And what I don't see happening is people like reaching out for advice. Like uh, there, just a couple weekends ago, there was an event that I've done before. I've done it before. And I know the person who put on this show has never done this before. 
And they never once reached out. And I feel like it's like an ego thing. And I would have loved to have helped. I would have loved to give my feedback on making sure that this event went through without a hitch. And unfortunately, it did not. There were a lot of mistakes. There were a lot of variables um, that the athletes were the ones that suffered. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And at the end of the day, when it comes to any event that's not thoroughly planned out, the athlete always suffers. And and that's 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 what really, really hurts. Do you understand? Yeah, like, absolutely. I, I agree. You know, I'm a, I'm a little bit more of a mind of um, less – less competition and higher quality like sure. quality over quantity because I, I think that's where uh amateurs really suffering is is that the quantity is so great because there's no you know as we talk about a lot on this show is standards there's no standards for yeah. promoters you just they sure. just pay their fees and they can go and do whatever they want um and unfortunately i think that's kind of influenced this culture of uh poor quality um there's no there's no standards to hold anybody to you know to any quality whatsoever and so we do end up with a lot of shows that are not well thought out um equipment that you know falls apart i mean i've been at a show where i remember this guy made this special atlas stone right the first load it disintegrated <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, <laughs> i mean it, it, it turned out he made it out of like plaster or mortar or something i don't know it was, like, it was so wrong um but you know, you just keep keep seeing that, and yeah, my my desire for you know, at least from the amateur perspective, would be to to well for the entire sport. But you know, it's got to be top to bottom or bottom to the top, some standards in place because sure. that improves the the experience of the athletes, right? It improves the experience of the the, um, spectators. the viewer, the spectators, yeah. right? And yeah, it just no. goes it, it goes throughout the sport. Um, so yeah, I, where I think the issue lies is there's so many people and this can be applied to athletes trying different techniques and stuff, but so many people are trying to reinvent the wheel or they're trying to come up with this new crazy idea. Oh, I'm going to change the sport or I'm going to be the first person to, um, do something amazing. You know what I'm saying? And they don't even have the basics down. They don't, they haven't successfully ran a competition with just a, an overhead, a deadlift, a carry. And you know what I'm saying? They haven't done these yeah. things perfectly. And and if you want to backtrack, if somebody wants to go pull up my my old competitions and stuff, and you'll see I kept everything very simple. I threw in some yeah. yoke, standbag medleys, and I got really good at that. And next competition, I was like, all right, I'm going to push it a little bit more. And, and that, that's what I see the most of is, is when the failure happens is people, they, they try to do things a little different and their execution, mm-hmm. their heart's in a good place. But sure. the execution, yeah, sure's sure's very loosely as well. Some yeah. people are there for the money grab as well, but um, people people just don't aren't good at the basics. And this you can this can be applied to training as well. Any where all three yeah. of us work out, and you and how many times do you see somebody come in the gym a newbie and they try to do something totally different than than what they've ever seen before, and you're just like, yeah. To circle back what I had said earlier you know, um, asking you about your, your thoughts of the difference between high level amateur. And when I said basics, you know, that foundation is, I mean, it should be just some kind of press, like a axle log dumbbell, a deadlift, a yoke of farmers and Atlas zone. Sure. I mean, and, and it goes for promoters too. Like you said, keep it simple, mm-hmm. right. Until you build the experience and the know-how to manage 
uh, more complex events because scoring is a big problem yeah. in amateur. Uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, that are putting on shows don't quite have the skill set to use a spreadsheet to its fullest uh, um, potential. And and when you have a complex event with measurements and ta split times and all this stuff, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it adds to the length of the show. It, it, it the increases, the, increases the risk of mistakes and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, there's, there is some basics in Strongman. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, sh my showdown, my annual competition I have at, um, at uh, Battle Axe, uh, we're at the fifth year. I'm actually going to start planning that um, in the next couple of weeks. I'm really, really excited. But um, every single year, I keep it really simple. Four events. There's an overhead. There's a deadlift. There's a moving event and some type of load. Everyone loves it. I have more than 100 people that sign up every single time. And and it's smooth. Uh, we, we, we're we not there all day some, um, every year, but it, it moves smoothly. The, the only time it's ever slowed is because there's just a lot of people competing, though. But ideally, we... There's there's three things I try to focus on whenever I do any competition, and it's it's this three way balance. And it's I look at things not only as a promoter, I look at things as an athlete, and not only as an athlete, I also look at things as a spectator. And I try to find this trifecta whenever I'm thinking of events, I'm thinking of weights, I'm thinking of um, any movie pieces. I don't want any of those three things to suffer. You understand? Yeah. I want I want it to be visually appealing. I want it uh, to where the athletes are looking forward to doing it. And I want to have an event that's easier on me. And if it's easier on me, I have, yeah. I can put my attention and my energy towards other things in the competitions. You understand? Yeah. And so that, that's my, that's, those are the three things I think about every single time, whenever I'm thinking of events, I'm thinking of um, just different things, moving pieces is how can I focus on all three of those? Cause a lot of competitions you'll see, you'll see these events and you're like, okay, this promoter did it because it's easier for him and it's not good for the athletes and it's not good for the spectators. Okay. Or you'll see something that's like, wow, that's going to be so much fun to watch, but it's an ass whooping for this, the promoter and it's an ass whooping for the athlete. You understand? Yeah. And there's so many times. And the, I'm the volunteers. They're the ones that do the most oh work. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> you're going to, that's a great chance. If you don't have a well-organized event and it, it's you're you have a great chance of not having any of your volunteers showing up again. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they if they have to carry a, a 700 pound yoke all the way back to the starting line every time, rather than because yeah. I've seen events like that where it's yeah. you know some kind of medley um, at the end, and they have to reset the yoke every single time. Or farmers, like, yeah, it's a lot of unnecessary work for the volunteer for volunteers. People yeah. are there out of the kindness of their own heart. And then and then it affects the spectators because who wants five to 10 minute downtimes in between each run? Exactly. Uh, I mean, a run that lasts 60 seconds for the athletes, but then it's a five minute turnaround time. That, yeah. That's that's not good. So not only are the volunteers suffering, now the spectators are just bored. You know what I mean? I want yeah. that action. I want, I want the downtime to be just as long as the actual run lasts. So 60 and 60 is what, whenever I'm doing my planning, I'm doing my itineraries, I always imagine a 60, 60. That's 60 seconds top for the run and then 60 seconds to reset it. Boom, sure. Let's go again. So I always times the amount of competitors times two. And that's why ideally I want each, how long I want each event to last. Yeah. We're, we're getting into the nitty gritty right now though. But yeah, that's, I'm, I get really <laughs> into promoting. I get really good, into yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's good for other people. I, I lose my mind sometimes, but yeah. I'll get, I'll get lost in the sauce sometimes. I mean, <laughs> but I think, but I think, um, 
you know, to be a promoter, you have to be kind of an architect, right? And you sure. gotta get you gotta get buried in the details in order to make a, a, a good show. Yeah. Um, not only organize a, a good show, but also execute, like you said earlier. I mean, yeah. That's a that's a good trait to have, I think, as a promoter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I've I've been doing this for such a long time now. I'm I feel like I'm really getting into my groove and I'm really able to I feel very confident in every show that I do now. So I'm very confident that whatever I do, I know it's 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 gonna run smoothly, it's gonna be well executed. If I'm ever gonna try anything crazy, you better believe I've put just hours of thought into it to to make sure it just it's spot on now. But yeah. But, too many times it's and, and I'm very passionate if you can't tell but I, I get really upset when I see these promoters it and I'm not I'm not I know not not a lot of people are like me and don't maybe not even have the resources or the time to put this much energy into it but what really hurts to see is promoters not even it's it's like they're not even trying they they created their their registration page they wrote down the events and they created their way of getting paid and they just forget about it and then yeah. maybe maybe a month out, they start putting some things together, though. I was going to say, yeah, because I I see that all the time. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, you're already talking about the showdowns, typically like January, beginning of next year. Yeah, and you're already planning it, and I do Seven see tons out. of tons of promoters who they'll put it up, and the weights are like to be decided for the longest yeah. time, and then like maybe two months out, they'll say the weights, <laughs> and then maybe a month out, they'll start planning everything, and that's one. Like, one thing that really irks me, and whoever's out there, if you're a promoter, you ever plan on being a promoter, and if you're getting custom-made equipment, that custom-made equipment needs to be ready and made weeks before your competition. Not the same week. Yep. You, you need to test that equipment. I'm, I'm almost certain that if you're getting something custom-made, you've never used it before, right? Even if it's Even if it's something similar, you've never used that exact thing. You don't know the base weight. You don't know anything like that. And so I see all the time in, in a lot of recent shows I've, I've had the pleasure of witnessing from my own eyes is I've seen people literally just get delivered the day before and they're just testing weights while they're warming up. And it's, I, it's I mean, I've seen stop. it at high level shows, man. It, oh it doesn't, God. it doesn't just exist at the, the, you know, quote unquote lower level. It exists. I mean, hell, world's strongest man apparently didn't even test their truck pull, right? Before <laughs> before the day I actually uh, it was too light. Before. Yeah, they've actually been notorious for that. Uh they've yeah. they've uh, done it where there's one year there's like a hill or something and nobody could budget. I think the right. furthest they got it was like five feet. I, I think it was a year uh, a year that Pujanowski was doing it and it's Pujanowski. Doing, a, doing an arm over arm pull and he couldn't even do it. And there are people not even budging it. And they're like, ah, well, nuts. we made a mistake. So and th those are tough of what um, there's a show last year I went to and they were pulling a fire truck and everything. The two women go nothing. No one budges it. Nothing. And it's a fire truck. And I was like, the engine's off. And like with airlock brakes for safety, yep. there's no way a truck's oh, ever going to let you have it in neutral. We're, we're going to talk about something. Everybody, here's another great point. Here's another tip for any promoters out there that want to do truck pulls. So if you get your truck, even if you've tested the weight a week out, if you leave the truck overnight and there's humidity that builds, it locks the, the, the brake drums. And, and so before you actually get started on your event day, you need to take the truck or whatever you're using to drive it. You need to uh, break and actually wear off the erosion the that's built up overnight. 
I've, I've seen that in competitions before where um, it, they're literally locked up because we're just little human beings. You understand what I'm saying? There's not a, there's not a, a 18 piston engine driving it to break that stuff loose though. And I've seen that so many times where the first 10 competitors can't, they're the ones that have to break that, break that rust off of the, the drum to get it even moving. Yeah, but that's a that's a really good. I'm glad we're talking about that though. But yeah, yeah. It, it, you guys need to take the truck around the block a couple times, okay? Then when you go park it, then you can use it in the competition. Yeah, truck pulls are great events, but man, there's just yeah. so much variation and yeah. and so many well, things that can go wrong. I mean, heat on <clears> asphalt. <throat> I mean, a heavy truck's gonna sink into the asphalt, and I mean, just. Yeah. It's one of those things um, you should I, only I, do if you're very experienced. I the we do truck pulls at Showdown in uh Thumper Thumper out there. He actually takes his truck around around Texas and he has people truck pulling it almost every weekend sometimes. Nice. And so that truck is he's a pro at it too. Oh my goodness, dude. This man at last showdown, 126 athletes ran through all of them in about an hour and a half. Insane. Wow. In insane, dude. This guy is just turning and burning. And people are happy they weren't like exhausted or anything like that, man. But yeah, that, he's a great example, and he drives in the morning up each time. He he makes sure he knows everything about it too. Uh, he he, if it's too moist outside, he 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 knows all the variables. He knows how how fast somebody's going to do something depending on the weather. With that with that truck, he knows it so well. So really lucky to have Thumper uh, on my team with these shows. Yeah, because it makes a huge difference of those little things you don't like notice till it's happening. Yeah. Of like, yeah. oftentimes it is this like. Because, like, as someone who's volunteered at a good number of shows and everything, I know how things are. Of like, my first coach Ray, used to promote shows here in Texas, and like, I just happened to be a somewhat capable person. So, like, uh, shortly in, I like had to judge things sometimes and had to yeah. like, work on scoring and all these things just because, like, I'm a somewhat capable, Confident. organized person. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think right. that's that's the thing is this because there is no like baseline or threshold. A lot of people really aren't thinking of it for repeat customers. Like they're not thinking, will my volunteers want to do this next yeah. year? If it's like, because for one, it sucks as a volunteer when yeah. you're the one who's getting yelled at for like something not working properly. Like, yeah. oh, like this wasn't set up right. Like this wasn't what we were talking about. And you're like, it's a bummer. So I think it's like important to have all those planning things because yeah. like a truck pulls great and everything, but it really sucks to like several athletes in to realize that you left it with the engine off, even in neutral, it's not going to go anywhere because it's um, a fire truck. Like, yeah. yeah. And those little things of realizing that it's hard when it, people, it's not their full-time job yeah. and everything, but it, you have to think then if it's not your full-time focus, maybe you necessarily, you should have more help or yeah. like, have a whole team of people. There, there's so many resources nowadays too. And that's what really bothers me. And that's why I feel like it's like an ego thing. And, and like I said, I, I have no issues with other people putting on competitions. I mean, if you're representing this sport, I want you to do a good job. You understand what I'm saying? I, I genuinely mean that. So if anybody's out there thinking I have some vendetta that you're trying to put on a show and you, I, I want you to ask for help. And, and I ask for help all the time. And I, I, I've had the pleasure of working with Lynn and OSG. And I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of promoters um, who got me started, like Tommy Sharp, uh, Jacob Fincher, Brittany Barnes. I've had a ton of people. And what 
I think has made the difference in my promoting is I'm not scared to ask questions. I'm not scared to ask opinions, um, getting, asking different people what they think about these weights, things like that though. And it's, I've never, never once been like, Oh my God, I'm scared to ask them this because I want to make sure that everyone else has a good time. And I'm, I can take a step out of my, my feelings and my ego to make sure I'm doing something right. And a lot of people, I feel like they just, they don't want to do that. So I, I can feel that like that frustration. I mean, even as an athlete, it, it's it's hard sometimes to to have people that are around you that aren't very experienced and like you're like and they just they go and and struggle in in competition or events. And it's like I'm here, yeah. Like just ask some questions. I'd be happy to help you, but but you can't. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, you can't control what other people do, and sometimes they have to make their own mistakes, right? And something that my dad always said you know, uh, to me growing up was like, I'm going to give you my two bits, but you're going to make up your own mind. Yeah. Right. So you can only help so much, right. You can give your advice. And, but at the end of the day, the way that we learn is making mistakes. Right. Yeah. And it, and that's, and it's actually really commendable that, you know, you came on here and admitted that you've made mistakes and, and, and everything, because that's, that's valuable. You have to make mistakes and, um, it's how we grow as people. And, um, I'm always wary of the person that says that, you know, I've never, I've never screwed up because then I'm like, well, then you've never learned anything. You're kind of useless. to the world, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's, it's something, I don't know. I've, I've, I've been able to swallow my pride my training too. I, I don't think I'd be at this high of a level in my own training. If I, if I was scared to ask questions, I was always that little guy in the gym that would come up to the biggest guy in the gym and ask him like, dude, what are you doing? What are you eating? Yeah. What do you, what do you, what do you, why are you uh, doing this right now? Tell me everything you know. And, and again, it, developing your own opinion and learning from your mistakes is, is just a part of life. But I feel like when we have the resources and the community that we do have, and you are going out of your way not to ask for help. Yeah. The athletes suffer. The, the volunteers sure. suffer. Um, the, the, the person that's hold that, that owns the, the event center or whatever it is that you're holding this competition, they suffer. Sure. And so it, it's more or less not kind of just, just worry about other people. You know what I mean? If you're worried about other people, I think you will have a better time as well. So that, that's definitely where my, my, um, my feelings are with that. And I can go on and on about that. Man. It, it's, it's, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's very much like. <laughs> Uh, there are so many free things out there because a lot of times like Darren and I had an episode a while back about like online coaches and stuff like that. And a lot of times people don't always realize how many just free resources there are out there and everything of like trying to get your information from everyone and like these things of like, if you're trying to do an event in your first time promoter, you probably shouldn't try to do anything other than just the basics of like exactly, bags, exactly. log, yeah, yeah, maybe like don't don't decide to do like a custom like Ukrainian deadlift setup that you've never really yeah. tested. I've seen that actually. I've seen that specifically. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some I've really seen good that ones. Specifically. The, the two the two story high <laughs> Ukrainian yeah. slash whatever. My, <laughs> yeah. my favorite is seeing a, a, it's advertised as like a deadlift ladder or an overhead ladder, but there's volunteers just loading weight onto the the sides of the barbell yeah. Yeah. and and it's that's that's not a real ladder that's 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 an absolute mess in my yeah, opinion it is. i yeah. always kind of imagine though 
having a, a special event, uh, it would have to be on a small, like single class show that was moving really fast and have enough bars, I think, to have like 10, 10 uh, competitors going all head to head at one time and give them 30 minutes to just max out and have to load their own plates. <laughs> that that sounds like its own type of competition. I, I definitely would be, would be probably that type of competition, but I always kind of wanted to, yeah, either compete in something like that or that's like a it's like a deadlift to the death, basically. Write this is. down. Write write these ideas down. Write this down. This is good. Let's run with <laughs> this. To do it. Just like it'll save volunteer time. But I mean that. So so I mean you kind of talked about earlier, like you know everybody's kind of have their own unique things, and you know um, where we are now. My idea is always, you know, where do we want to be and let's like, and what's the roadmap to get there. And I think everybody has their own ideas and, you know, I've had my ideas over the years and stuff that I will probably never get execute for various reasons. But I've always thought, you know, at higher level shows, what would be very entertaining from a spectator perspective would be um, uh, great for the athletes and, and again, you know, your trifecta easier on promoters with the exception of maybe capital investment would to have those single class 10 athlete cap all yeah. and all 10 competitors competing in the event all together, 10 at a time, head to head like a race. That would be amazing. That, that would be, would be amazing. That would be pretty spectacular to be honest but the capital <laughs> investment and all that equipment man is stupid. yeah and, and and i've i've been uh i have quite the collection now i've been doing this like i said for almost seven years now and i've made sure to do pairs of everything i have fours of some things but i i can't even imagine the the pockets you would need to to do that right. and the, the time the time it would take to see your money back on all those investments though I mean the sport would have to make some tremendous advancements or you know it it the goal would have to be to um, I think the primary objective would have to be to grow the audience right because that's where the ROI is for the uh, sponsors and that's where you're going to make your money so I don't know how you really execute that it's going to take a lot of time and and in investment and, and everything, but yeah, the sport's going to have to really turn around before that can happen. But then yeah, it also I mean, eliminates some of the events that you can do because 10, 10 lane truck pull is not very feasible. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if you've thought about this, but some people that will remain unnamed have tried this. They know with, who they are. They know who they are. <laughs> it happens actually every year in different various locations, but they do up to 10 or 12 lanes and what happens is the equipment is is just next to nothing, or it's borrowed, or it's mix matched. And the, the the idea, the like your idea has been has been attempted, but the execution is is not even close to being good for the athletes, the spectators, and the growth of the sport. And that's where I am when it comes to my promoting, because I feel like with my shows, I cater to different levels of athletes at this point. Um, I do I do smaller amateur shows. They're all amateur at the end of the day, though. But I do a certain caliber, a middle caliber, and I do a high caliber. And I do these throughout the year. And they're different competitions. And what 
I what I'm trying to focus on no matter what each time is making it engaging, making it engaging, wanting other people who are either watching or hearing about this, these competitions, making them want to do it. You understand what I'm saying? Wanting them to be involved, whether it's joining a local gym that has strongman equipment or competing in it themselves. And that's my biggest focus. And I don't think the sport would even be what it is today without the amateur scene the way it is you understand having the people competing and looking up to the everybody knows all the big guys right you got your straw you got your thor and and people think that's what strongman is but that's that's the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what what really is um the meat of the of this sport and it's the amateurs and and i think that's the amateurs what's going to take it to that level the that growth in my opinion and a lot of people are just trying to have these these bigger shows and man i'm just trying not to make people so bad um but they're trying to just make them big without putting the details into it you understand that it's yeah. it's just an empty carcass in my opinion and, and and sometimes it's way too late for people to even realize the the shit show they're walking into yeah i agree it's, um because you know kind of getting back to we're in this sort of era of quantity over quality and unfortunately, when you have that many shows going on, what's seen more often than not by the general public are the amateur shows. Mm -hmm. And I think it does have an impact on the um, how people, how the general public views strongman. If they're seeing something on, a, you know, either once or a couple of times, that becomes their perception of what strongman is and if it's not a high quality well-run show yeah. they're gonna walk away with like you know this isn't really for me and to put to put that into perspective the gym i work at out at like home barbell club we've started to get more strongman stuff like the original stuff was mine but most of the people there the most notable strongman video that they know is a video of a guy getting strapped into a Hercules hold and it almost decapitating him. Oh. That's literally the video they know for strongman. They're, 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 like, yeah. they're like, oh, so you're into strongman? Dude, like, that's... did you see that video of the guy with his arm? And you're like, oh, that's literally your main exposure is like world's uh, strongest man or a guy. That's a, that's a that's a great that's a great thing you bring up. And it's it's the to sum it up, what both of you guys just said is the huge negative connotation this sport does have. <laughs> And what I tell people is we need to stray away from the backyard wrestling competitions that are popping up everywhere. Yeah. Sometimes they're literally in a dirt field. They're at a lake with a Viking ship. Um, they're <laughs> made. Uh, that's John's uh, favorite show. Oh, man. That was that was a highlight of my year, um, <laughs> the Viking ship, though. Anyways, yeah. um, fortunately enough, that promoter has gone into hiding, from what I can tell, though, for uh, to help everybody out, though. But anyways, <laughs> it's it's the backyard wrestling competitions, and like you we've uh, you mentioned before, it's the standard, and a lot of people don't know the standard, and a lot of people just know these events made out of two by fours and and uh something they made out of a bag of quick crete and and things like that though and and i'm with my competitions even my lower my lower level my entry level amateur shows i i really hold everybody to a very high standard um i i nobody's even allowed you you have to wear shoes at my competitions and i know it pisses a lot of people off though but <laughs> this 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 little detail i have is 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 creating a visual experience how many times have you been to competitions and you see 
these nasty yellow stained socks just on the ground with and the bottoms are all black and 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 I think that's a visual representation of of that competition. Sometimes you understand what I'm saying, and and there's not a lot of sports out there where you can just show up in a gross pair of socks with holes in them, and go out there and compete. And I I think raising the bar even at the lower level is is in my opinion where I think the growth is going to start happening. You understand that that standard that standardization and the the input the the sternness. I'm, I'm very strict on my rules too. There's so many promoters out there that will change rules halfway through a competition or they'll, they'll roll over on the back when there's enough people that just bitch at them uh, about or they it. Never, yeah. Or they never got their judges together so that all the judges are on the same page. Um, one judge yeah. is judging completely different than the other one for the same I, weight class of the same event. I've seen that so many times. I've and, had that happen in my shows before. And I've, I've removed judges. I've removed them. I've, I've taken people out of my shows before because of that. And it's just astonishing. Even after we've had always have a, 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 um, a volunteer meeting, a judges meeting and the, um, the rules meeting. Right. Yeah. And, and we make sure everybody who's volunteer in my shows now needs to know how strict I am too, though, especially the level I compete at as well. And I've had someone before that just literally wasn't paying attention. And I was like, Hey man, I think it's time you go take a lunch break or something. I, I got this and I'll sit in for you for a while though, but it, it, it's really hard to see. It kind of, I mean, it kind of gets back to, you know, you're saying that, you know, people don't really know what the standard is. And unfortunately, there are no overarching, there's no umbrella yeah. standard. It's it's kind of, you know, up to promoters to set a standard, but also athletes don't know when they're, all they know are these backyard brawls, yeah. right? You know, in, in, in dirt fields and deteriorating back alley, you know, whatever, they don't know any better. And so, you know, I've always said that that in to that the athletes have a lot of power to vote with their yeah. entry fees, right? And yeah. if you keep paying for that low quality, it's gonna it's here to stay. And until athletes stop supporting poorly run, poorly advertised, I, I mean, there's a lot of red flags to look for before you ever sign up for a show, right? Yeah. Um, but until the athletes themselves start. Um, voting with their their entry fee mm -hmm. that's it's going to persist unfortunately and that's the and they should part. be demanding more yeah because i mean it's like the we've said on the show like anytime if i'm going to pay 75 to 150 dollars to do something i there's nothing else in this world that i would be like if they if it went poorly they'd be like well i mean that's like well, yeah that's how something. it goes and stuff like it's kind of like it's one of those things it's like if i went to the theater and paid for like the premium box seating and everything. And like one of the staff members decided to just start vacuuming in front of the movie and stuff. And they were just like, well, that's how we do things here. You'd be yeah. like, no, at least, at least I back. got to see a movie. Yeah. Like at, at, le at <laughs> least they keep the theater. Lucky paid. to have anything and, at all, buddy. Yeah. You're lucky you're sitting on anything type yeah, of yeah. type of attitude. And I see that too many that times with promoters as well. And they, they just think very highly of themselves and dude, there's, there's been a couple of promoters. I'm not going to name anybody, man. I want you so bad, but um, there's, there's so many promoters I've seen that have literally not finished competitions or planning. I've seen, I've seen competitors change events on the fly and, and, and athletes just roll over, be okay with it too. And, and I've seen, I've had, I've been at competitions watching them. I've had athletes come up to me and tell me things that a promoter just did. And I've told them, I'm like, you should go say something. Why are you telling me? Like, I'm not running the show right now. 
Like it, you're the one that has a say in this. You understand what I'm saying? And a lot of people don't understand that. And there's, there's a couple promoters. There's one really that irks me. And I don't even understand how he continues to put on shows. I, I, I've, I've personally never seen him run a successful show in my entire life in his professional career. And somehow he keeps putting them on and it's, it's mind boggling to say the least. And I see people show up and do his shows over and over again, even after they've complained about it, you understand? And, and it just goes, it just goes into the low standard we have and the people not voting, not just not sharing their opinion. Yeah. Well, I think we, I think the, the sport has created this culture and I think it comes from the top down. Um, Cause I have experience directly with, I'm not going to name them. You have a 50, 50% chance of guessing one of the presidents of one of the two organizations, <laughs> um, just not having any tolerance for anybody saying anything that is even remotely negative about a promoter. Um, you're just not allowed to complain. I mean, there's in this culture has been created, you know, throughout the sport, I think to where people are scared to com to complain because they're going to get blacklisted. The shows may not be there, you know, whatever the case may be. But going back to what John said, I mean, you're paying good money now. I mean, a hundred dollars for a low level, like level one show. And you can't even get, dude, I I've done shows where I've, I to, to this day, don't know what the score is. Um, you know, I've been to shows where they gave trophies to the wrong person. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's too much to ask for reverse scoring nowadays. And it's, you're paying a lot of money really at the end of the day to be interchained as an athlete. Cause you're not winning any money at the amateur level, right? You may have aspirations to, you know, grow your, you know, your abilities and your experience and everything, but you're paying to be entertained and, and you're not getting quality for the, the yeah. money you spend and you should be complaining and saying, Hey, I just gave you a hundred dollars. This is the shit that you, yeah. you sold me. Like it, this so, isn't okay. That, yeah. uh, you, if you went to a restaurant and you went to get your dinner and it didn't come out the way you wanted, are you're, you're probably not going to eat it. Are you? You're, you're going to send it back and you're going to ask for something better. Well, I know and some we, people that will, but. <laughs> and and <laughs> those, those are, yeah. yeah, those are just those people, though. But a lot of the time that when they see this occurring, it, it, you're paying for an experience, especially with these amateur level shows. And my shows personally aren't cheap. They're over $100 now. And I think that where I, I put it into the shows anybody who's been to my shows you know that they know i do i either buy brand new equipment it, i i do high quality t-shirts the medals i do awards i do a bunch of different things and at the end of the day i know 99 percent of these people competing today aren't going to a higher level they are there for an experience and i am there to give it to them and and that's that's really the end of it. That's the gist of it. You understand what I'm saying? That there's very few people like myself. I'm I'm in the less than one percent of athletes that that are at the level I am today. And there's there's a lot of people that don't ever want to be at this level. You understand? They do amateur shows, and they're there to have fun. They're there to get an escape <clears throat> from their normal life, their nine to five, their whatever they have going on. They're they're trying to get away. And they're they're paying for an experience. So not only the hundred dollars, the the monetary value. It's it's their time, and that's a whole weekend. The yeah. not even the the time, the mental capacity they've even been thinking about this show. You know what I'm saying? You've gotten close to a competition, and the whole the last two weeks, that's all you think about, right? 
right? It's that that mental the the energy you're just spinning on it. Anyways, though, but I and I would say we need to, especially here in Texas, we need to. It's it's really hard, like because I, I was coached by the Viking ship guy, so it's like. But also recently, I was the Viking ship guy. I love yeah, it. I, I was coached by a guy who just makes equipment for competitions and delivers them like a few days beforehand and stuff. Like people need to stop doing custom equipment that's like custom not made by rich. Like it's one of those things that like for one, maybe have it either be someone who's been in fabrications forever or make sure it's a licensed accredited business because you also have this weird thing of promoters. <clears throat> I've seen it where promoters are fine paying thousands of dollars for bad equipment. And yeah. I'm like, so you're fine. Like you're not going to complain about that equipment and the athletes are. And it's like, at some point you have to be like, you can't be spending money on garbage and stuff. Yeah. Like it's one of those things that I think a lot of this custom fabrications and like making cool implements and everything at the end of the day, what a lot of people forget is the star attraction of the show is the athlete. Yeah. Like you don't want the athlete consistently being dwarfed by every goofy apparatus you've created. Yeah. Because at the end you. of the day, like I'm, I'm not going to watch some weird like tower of a Ukrainian deadlift Dude, or like a, is... a big barrel thing of kegs loading down that like a whole a whole thing. You're like. And it happens yeah. routinely in Texas. Th like, thank you for that, John. Because yeah. I feel the same way. Like, I mean, lately things have been getting so ridiculous. Like, it's cool to have unique events because that is yeah. sort of what makes Strongman really great. But we, it seems like we've we've kind of entered this era where, like you said earlier, Derek, everybody's trying to out one up the the other promoter and come up with the craziest, just weirdest shit. And and now you've got like. What video did I see just recently? I think it was in Europe somewhere. They had like a a standing um, incline log press. Oh, the ladder. Yeah. It, it was the ladder, and the guy like missed, and it like, dude, it fell on him. There was no safeties. There, yeah. It was just, I mean, it was a pointless, pointless. Like, I don't even understand like where mm -hmm. that came from or the big like Ukrainian deadlift, I think it was in Australia. Like you, like the competitor was like this little person on this gigantic. That was, I think like that was last tower. year. Australia's strongest man. I saw that too. And it looked ridiculous. It was just like, what was the point? Like, let's tone it down just a little bit. Like, let's be, uh, in, be good at the basics. Yeah. Be good at the basics and, you know, have a little ingenuity. Sure. You know, be creative, but like, it doesn't have to be, you know, an actual circus to be entertaining. <laughs> yeah, it's hard and, though. And a lot of the, a lot of these promoters I'm talking about and stuff is is I'm not naming anybody. And this isn't we're, we didn't all come here today to bash anybody. It's more or less yeah. just to grow and stuff like that, though. But these people that I see putting on and having these quote unquote crazy and over the top events is I know for a fact they've never put on a, a well-run show with the basics. You understand? Right. Right. They have never done a just a common strongman show, and it goes smoothly. Nobody gets hurt, and, and that's it. Good scoring. Like I've, None of these people have done it. All these crazy – they've just never gotten good at the basics. They think the more elaborate it is, the more money they're going to come in or the more signups they're going to get. And that's just not the case. And the Battle Axe Showdown is, a, is an amazing example. There are four events. There is going to be a press, a deadlift, a carry, um, and a, a truck pull. 
That's it. That's what you're going to get every single year. And people it's, know that. It's easy to train for, too, for the athletes. So as an athlete, you know, as a high-level competitive athlete for many years, the thing that probably drove me the nuts the most is when when uh, equipment was – an event was impossible to train because the equipment was so unique. Yeah. Um, and then on top of it, to make matters worse, invariably the hometown guys got to train on it. Yeah. Uh, those of us that lived on the other side of the country didn't have any way to train on. There was no access. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it doesn't make sense, but from any perspective um, it's gotta be accessible by the athlete. Well, it should either be accessible by all athletes or not to any, right. If you're going to go yeah. unique um, you shouldn't be giving anybody the home field advantage to train on that specific piece of equipment while no one else gets an opportunity. That's just like, that yeah. rubs me the wrong way. What uh, and more theorization, but uh, Tommy Lavelle, we've always talked about events and stuff like that. And he he's a, he's a very outside of the box thinker. And I, I love Tommy, very unique guy. And what he wants to do in a competition, he wants to do because weights. Sometimes this is what you're just talking about. Weights are always just kind of subjective at the end of the day. Sure. Like, for instance, sure. I'm at Worlds last year, the Viking press. Everybody training for it knows the setup. You know it's a neutral grip. You know it's a fixed hinge. But nobody kind of knew what the actual in-hand weight truly is going to be. True. I didn't. That shit was way heavier than I was expecting. I got rocked. But anyways, and so Tommy has the idea, and he's done this with a couple of his Brooklyn Strongest competitions, is where he doesn't even tell you the weight because he knows it's subjective. And then he's like, let's do a mystery event. And, and, and when you're going into this style of competition, knowing that it is subjective and there aren't weights, this is good. But when you're going into a competition that they say, these are the weights, this is how things are going to go, and you show up, and it's basically like everything was a mystery. And, and yeah. that's, that, that's not what should be happening. And Tommy's a guy you guys definitely should get on a chat with. He's definitely yeah, I've good. talked to Tommy a few times over the years. I mean, He's in person. Guy. Yeah, yeah he, I love the way he thinks, man. But the way he thinks is what a lot of promoters do by just not doing what they're supposed to do. And you know what right. I'm saying? It's, they're creating this, and it's not it's not it's not well executed. And um, it just I see it way too many times, man. And and I think this just people just need to get good at the basics. I I just can't say that enough. I can't. There, there is an audience for it. Like I even because people be like, but. Rogue Invitational, they have like those big apparatuses and everything. Yeah. As someone who is there, there are more people interested in watching people sprint back and forth on turf and do kipping pull-ups. Yeah. Than they, that. And it's like, so there is a market. Like people want to see athletes. Mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. I yeah. think it's personally, I think it's because as um, a lay person, pers you know, as a lack of better words to put them, somebody that's not an actual athlete, it's easier for them to make a connection to the to the challenge, to the difficulty, to what they're actually doing. Um, whereas when you get these crazy events, um, there's nothing to compare it to. So, you know, how do, how do spectators actually understand what the, the challenge and the difficulty is when they can't, they have nothing to compare it to. They can't, um, yeah, comprehend the, the value of what's happening. And I think that's the same with when, and I mean, at the risk of of saying but not saying, I think there needs to be a little bit of standardization with like logs and axles and doubles oh, and stuff. Goodness, yes, I've had that conversation. To some so extent, many times. what is the difference? You know, does the does the average viewer really truly comprehend 
um, the significance between like a 10 foot, 10 inch log versus a five inch, 13 inch log, sure. right? Sure. Yeah. And these visually- They're different lifts things. really at the end of yeah. the day. Absolutely. And to go back to what John was saying, and, and like you see the people doing CrossFit and stuff, and this is where I push. I'm really big on the amateur scene. And I think the amateur scene needs a lot more attention than what you just see these YouTube channels and you see all of these big times is there's people that watch CrossFit, like powerlifting, powerlifting and CrossFit, they're, they're way bigger sports than strongman. Even with CrossFit declining over the past couple of years, what makes them, I think, more popular, in my opinion, is because people can relate more yes. to a 5'6", five, 5'8", five, man doing pull-ups and doing these easily attainable things than a seven-foot monster pulling a 1,000 pounds. Agreed. And so what I think needs to happen to get more people into the sport and to grow it is, is getting people to understand that you can do this. This is easily attainable. There are smooth running competitions that aren't incredibly elaborate with, with um, these customized rigs and attachments and things like this. And, and I think that's, that's the big push. And that, that's what I'm personally trying to do is trying to get people just to be able to relate more to it, understanding that there is – everyone can do this and to go back to what you're saying you think there should be less shows and i i actually personally agree or disagree i mean i would like to see be, be more shows but but quality <laughs> it no no not only so yes quality of course of course so not only i have this opinion because not only am i a strongman promoter i'm a powerlifting promoter i've just been doing this the past year and there are powerlifting meets every weekend multiple powerlifting meets every single weekend and I know people in powerlifting that compete like every two months. Why isn't that happening in the sport? You know what I'm saying? Nobody's saying there's too many powerlifting meets. You guys probably don't know, but it's just not happening. Mm -hmm. um, arguably enough, the reason I became um, a, a, a powerlifting promoter is because there's actually a void here in DFW. There's not enough powerlifting meets happening. And and whenever I've, I've hosted these competitions, these powerlifting meets, the demographic isn't these giant monsters it's they're between like five two and five eight and i i rarely see anybody over 200 pounds but they're they're engaged they're growing the sport they're 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 buying from their sponsors and that's what helps grow sport they're getting the sbd singlets they're getting the the ends or knee sleeves they're getting the the, the latest shoes and stuff like that and that's what helps grow the sport at the end of the day it, it's 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 using your dollar to to vote almost you know what i'm saying yeah and I think that's the direction the sport can go, but it's going to take standardization. Like, like you're saying, logs. We need to have a standard log that is across the board or an axle. Is it two inches or is it two and a half inches? Is this competition going to have this one or is this competition going to have this one? But with powerlifting, I believe what has helped that sport grow is they have rules out of the wazoo. It's, it's regulation on top of regulation. And you don't see people picketing or joining crossfit because they don't like powerlifting you understand what i'm saying they want to get strong but they respect the rules they respect the level at which those rules are enforced at yeah. and that goes along with promoting and stuff there's nine how many shows have you been to where promoters just change things 
They, Every they single them. one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And from, it just from, needs... the, from the bottom to the very tippy top, man. <laughs> it just needs to stop. It needs to stop. It needs to be enforced. If you're going to do something a certain way, it needs to be done the entire time. And, and it, it doesn't need to be at the cost of the first 10 competitors before you figure out something's wrong. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's another another thing I have the benefit of, of being the quality promoters am because I do own a gym and I'm able to test equipment. Dude, I got an endless supply of freaking lab rats at my gym at any given moment. Yeah. I'll come up to them and and I don't care if they're five two and 120 pound woman or six six 330 pound man. I'm like, hey, you're a great example. You're a great example. Let's let's try some stuff out. And that's what I do when I'm leading up to my shows is is I I'm I'm able to test so many things out there. And I know there's promoters that aren't though, but to go back to what we're saying is ask questions, reach out to people that do have access to these answers, reach out to people that have done these things before that you've never done before. You understand? Um, like it, it's, it's like, have you ever, if you've never changed a tire before, you're going to probably get on YouTube and figure out how to do it. Right. There's resources out there. There's plenty of people that have already done what you've done or, or tried to do what you're trying to do and, and not going out of your way to figure these things out or even just ask you're just you're just hurting the sport and you're hurting you're hurting the athletes that are involved and i think that's a great thing of like mentioning powerlifting the nice thing is that the barrier of entry is so low for powerlifting and olympic weightlifting yeah. you see at austin fit fest they both had audiences that were bigger than the strongman one yep. and a part of it is because you can go into any gym and you can get a barbell and start doing things. Yep. And a lot of times too, I mean, you think for athletes, how many athletes are going to buy stuff from the sponsors when they had to buy a several hundred dollar implement to try to train for this <laughs> yeah. weird custom event that you're already spending a ton of money on? It's yeah. like, no, like worst, maybe you're, you're not gonna have money after spending The worst is when you buy that thousand dollar piece of equipment and then never see it in another competition ever again. God, dude, I literally bought $3,000 worth of circus dumbbells after oh, LSD yeah. last year, and it's not even at Worlds again. <laughs> dude, I have I spent so much money on equipment over – because I competed for 14 and a half years, dude. The stupidity of buying specialized equipment and then just seeing it collect dust for like the next 10 years is just – I love it. Oh, <laughs> I love God. it, man. But, oh, but again, God. again, I I am in a really special position. I do understand that I'm able to put on these shows because I do have a lot of resources, and I'm able to spend a lot of money on equipment and not let it get collect dust. I can put it in my gym, and sure. I have people to train with, and 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 when I when I promote these shows, it's I have a lot of different directions. I'm also growing. I'm growing my gym, and if my gym grows, my competitions grow. My competitions grow, my gym grows, and then my personal coaching grows. And it's just so many different angles. There's just so many ways of of just growing the sport. And I, I feel like I'm trying to attack it from a lot of different directions. And and I'm lucky to. I've, I've come into a lot of really great opportunities. And and I know I've been bashing a lot of people on this um this this call. So, I mean, not personally. I haven't named anybody. <laughs> but I've been talking ill well and I do have my opinions about some people, but I do understand I, I am in an inclined position. I do have I've I've stumbled across opportunities that some people haven't. But I am saying this on the record. I, I'm willing to help. And a lot of people don't ask me for help. And it's really upsetting. And it's not like I want to hold this over them. And it's not like I'm going to go announce to the world that, oh, no, they asked, they asked for some help. <laughs> I want, I want to help. I want to be involved. And 
I want the athletes to do it. I want these competitions to grow. I want the sport to grow. I, I, want, I want to sit back and be a millionaire one day. I can't do that if there's backyard shows uh, happening every other weekend, you know? So, yeah, which is understandable. And I think a part of it is a part of things be do become a cash grab if you're not relying on the future and everything. It's this idea of, I think, what most people like you. You do it, and like our our friend Frank, who helps out behind the scenes with this show, everything he makes off a of competition, he puts towards the next one for the most part. Yeah, like it's one of yeah, those I'm things that like investing. Yeah. you're investing because it's one yeah. of those things of like it's not a strongman competition shouldn't be a get rich scheme. In mm -hmm. fact, like if you're doing it that way, that's not sustainable. And I think it's this issue of trying to do too many people do one and done shows or they do things too over the top because at the end of the day, also what blows my mind is anytime you're paying for all this custom equipment, if you spent more on custom equipment than like the cash prizes and taking care of the athletes, that's yeah. a concern of like, yeah, it's one of absolutely. these issues of like, I think at the end of the day, people need to put the athletes first. And like, I would say we need to have high quality shows and ask people for help because I think there is this thing of like, you're with Strongman Corp and like USS people are like, well, you can't like, there's some weird thing there. And it's like, no, we just need good shows overall in this. Yeah. Sport. I don't care like, what federation it yeah. is. I, I really don't care. It doesn't, um, doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the go with um, like, it'd be great if all shows did cash payouts and stuff. And, and, and like I mentioned before, I've made a ton of mistakes before and I stopped doing cash prizes in my amateur shows because at the end of the day, you got to understand there's 90, if I get 130 people signed up at a competition, 99%, over 99% of those people aren't going to get any of that cash. And they know that they know that, but they're going for the experience. And I put my money towards that experience. I put it into a good time for everybody. And, and, and anybody who's volunteered at any of my, my shows in the past couple of years, I, I cater, I bring food for my volunteers. I, I do a lot of things. I, I go out of my way to make sure that they're being helped because if they're in a good mood, the show's going to run a lot smoother too. So, yeah. And I, so I started, go ahead, John. Oh, Darren, you go. As I say, so I started doing Highland games and I've only have like three shows under my belt so far. And I think this is a good example of standardization and how much it helps promoters and be able to raise money and spend it in positive ways that, that, help the athletes or at least you know give them value for their their entry fees these shows are 40 to 50 dollars still per entry fee and they feed yeah. us they feed all of the athletes at every show yeah now i've seen that so i've had the opportunity i just started working with um this man named christian he just did the uh, Highland Games at the uh, USA Fit Games. He's actually going to be doing the Highland Games at um, North Texas Strength Expo in August, the one I'm hosting. Nice. And nice. I, I'm incredibly excited to work with this guy. He's He's got the attitude I had when I first started, and he just wants to promote. He, he's not looking to make a million dollars, but he's looking to invest. He's looking to every single show he's going to buy a little bit here, buy a little bit there, and use that money towards having a better show every single time, man. And the few conversations we've had together about his philosophies and the direction he goes to take it, I absolutely love to see it. And 
anytime I see a strength sport and a promoter involved trying to grow, it, it just makes my heart so happy, dude. And, and yeah. yeah, I loved being there. I, I walked around and went behind the scenes. He talked to me about some of the stuff he was doing and everybody there just like, they're just hanging out and having a good time. It was really cool atmosphere. It was really, really nice. Highland games are fun. They're fun, yeah. but I guess kind of getting back to the promoter thing though, the standardization is, is they, they buy all the equipment and that's done, right? Yeah. They're not, they're, they're not expending a lot of money for new equipment, crazy events, every show that and it allows the promoter to uh, have additional disposable uh, funds sure. to take care of the athletes. And I think, you know, strongman has been so caught up in, in that, you know, let's spend as much money as possible and on all the crazy shit that like promoters don't have anything to take care of the athletes. And it would be so beneficial because um, like you said, I mean, most of these people may not win any money at the end of the day because it's only going to go to the top three, which is great. But mm. um, at least there's a carrot on the stick. But but yeah. also, I mean, they're putting a lot of time into training for your show. Mm. They're, um, you know, the stress and everything that goes into it. Um, just a lot of them are traveling, right, taking days off of work to come. And, and it would be nice to get to a place in, in the sport where – Every show isn't new equipment, and it and it allows yeah. promoters to ha to put more money to to athletes, even at the amateur level, because it would be um, I don't know. I just think that athletes do give so very much at the end of the day, and there's so very little that's given back. And I mean, that's kind of across the board. Of course, there's great promoters that do give back. I'm, I'm not trying to generalize. Sure, but, sure. Um, but athletes at the end of the day are they're they're the they're the business model, right? And mm -hmm. amateur shows. They're the they're the revenue at this point in time. They're the income. They're the ones that support the sponsors. They're the ones that, that really support the sport financially. Um, and it would be nice to get to a point where, you know, there's more payback for athletes. Even if it is just like, here's a sandwich and chips halfway mm -hmm. through the show, right? I, I have I have an open invitation for you guys too, um, and anybody that wants to come out, anybody who's watching this, you want to message me? I'll give you all access pass. Come to the show, uh, North Texas Strength Expo, and I want to show everybody what I'm going to be doing for these athletes. All right, we're going to be doing a lot of great things. Um, I got a lot of great sponsors. I haven't made a lot of announcements actually, but everything you just said, we're going to be it's going to be really great. It's going to be very awesome. inclusive. Um, we're, I'm definitely going to be treating these athletes. Um, like like they're the they're the talent you understand and I'm really excited I I wanna I wanna invite everybody out I want everyone to experience that even promoters out there and maybe you know I'm talking about you and maybe you plan on still putting on a, a show one day and I just encourage everybody to come out and go check that show out and see how the athletes are doing and the warm up area man dude how many warm ups area have you seen where it's just there's like two barbells and and two pairs of of 45s laying around and that's all they get though i but. walked into a 600 pound squat one time eight minutes after doing a, a medley that fucking exhausted me to the max without a single warm-up rep so that's my experience with warm-up oh, yeah. i love that so much man. <laughs> that, that adequate, man we could we could i could go on too about just adequate warm-up um equipment stuff like too and that goes into uh event planning a lot of people don't think about that stuff and like i said i've made the mistakes before in my shows and i've i've not planned the warm-up area in in to direct correlation of the events and the amount of competitors you have in the style of the um the event that's going to be taking place these things are really really important and i've made that mistake before and and i see it way too often still where you you 
there's um, a max circus dumbbell at a competition and there's two circus dumbbells, 80 athletes and the, the starting weight's like a hundred pounds and half the women can't even touch that. You, you understand what I'm saying? So it, it's just my, and these, this comes into event planning. Yeah. We can come up with some cool events or, Oh, I can spend a lot of great money on um, a squat, a squat for reps. Is there a squat rack in the back? What are they warming up with? You know what I mean? Like these are things that a lot of people don't think about. They, and yeah, sure. You could have people warm up on the actual events. And I've seen this at a lot of national competitions too, though. But when you've got a hundred, 200, 300 athletes, you, you can't have, you can't expect every single one of them to have quality warmups before they actually go out there and, and put their body on the line. So it, it's things that people just really don't consider. Yeah. And yeah. it's hard because I think people, a lot of times it's very much an aspirational thing. Okay, yeah. have this idea of this like perfect thing, but you think about like, there are tons of events like I've seen where you have something like Atlas stone over bar and there's nothing that replicates that as the warmups, not even sure. sandbags. Yeah. And you're like, I guess I'll just like kind of maybe work on some zerchers. Zerchers are great and all, but like, it would be nice to have something yeah, more but... similar of like, I'm yeah. kind of of the mind though too. There's a point like if a show's running quickly mm -hmm. enough, um, you're warm by the time you get that. Listen. I was sure. just about to say that because that's but, what I do with showdown. Yeah. Yeah. So you're warm enough, and I mean, I've never, I don't think I've ever really warmed up for Atlas Stones. Maybe mm -hmm. a couple of times, but it, um, the last class qualifier I did here in Denver was, I mean, we went straight into a 380 pound Atlas Stone for reps, zero warm up on the stone, but we were moving so quickly yep. like everything was warm and it just, it felt like, like a balloon. So yeah. um, there is that consideration too, but it's yeah, true. I think, I think it's as a you chicken get egg start, situation. Yeah. I yeah. think as you get started though, I mean, warm up is incredibly important and, and I can't tell you how many shows that I've, I think it was 2017 USS nationals in Detroit. I remember this group of, of uh, ladies, like they brought like their own axle, their own rack, their own plates, and like all this stuff to warm up on because there was nothing to warm up on, and they knew they that. knew better, right? And they and, still showed up though and, and gave their money to them. I love oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring That's your own what equipment. makes me mad though. But that the burden the burden that that promoter put on those athletes is just like mind blowing to me. Yeah, I see that way too often. But uh, showdown, for instance, with like um, we do. Sometimes I'll run events. So we had the a press and then we had the deadlift ladder. And then as soon as an entire weight class finished the deadlift ladder as a whole, I sent them outside to start the truck pull immediately. Yeah. And they would just go right into it. There was some downtime, maybe 10, 15 minutes in between where they got, to, they got a chance to chill, of course, before they went. But they just immediately went to it. I had zero complaints. I actually had so many people telling me how they loved the flow of everything and how it was very consistent. And these are things you got to take in consideration. So if you know that you're going to be able to use one event so that that's their, an athlete's warm up and you can go into the next one, you have to make sure there isn't a ton of downtime, though. You, it, right. you you can't have an hour in between. If you're going to have an hour in between, you need to have a warm-up area. So if this were to happen at my show and I didn't have that back-to-back, -back, I, I would need a, a rope and a sled for people to warm up on or, or something along the lines for them to get the feel all over again. You understand? Yeah. And, and people just – these are just things that people don't consider, and it, it yeah. affects the athletes and nobody else. Because because yeah. I've been to shows that like there are there is an hour break between almost everything, so that's why the warm up becomes this weird thing where you're yeah. like 
because you do get cold or it'll just be like let's take an hour and a half for lunch it's like for one that kind of sucks like i'd much rather yeah. hop in slightly earlier than like this super big gap or whatever but i think yeah so uh like worlds worlds it's hours in between events which oh, yeah. is amazing at that caliber when you're lifting that type of weight and you're with that many athletes and but Lynn's always makes sure there is more than enough warm-up equipment. I, I've never once been I've heard anybody ever say there's not enough warm-up anything. And and the, the, the that's what's great. But like Showdown, for instance, that is a fast-paced show. And there's different caliber shows. Um, Clash, for instance, very fast-paced. And if if you're ready for it, but that's that's what people are expecting. You know what to expect. You understand? But if you're expecting a fast-paced show and it's not fast-paced, that's going to kick you right in the teeth. And, and vice versa too. If you're expecting a lot of downtime, you don't get that downtime. That's like kicking the teeth. So, it, it's definitely getting people um, anticipating these things. And I try to do itineraries too for uh, showdown and stuff because I, I try to get those so dialed in though. But and I understand itineraries; they're not feasible for everybody. Maybe because it may be the the event you're hosting, you're not too familiar, or the the location you're not too familiar with it. Or there's other variables that come into play though. But I, there's there's definitely a lot of attention and a lot of effort that can be made to to help negate these these shortcomings yeah yeah agreed yeah because there are i think people stepping up and everything like you stepped up and then like the chaos classic that's going to be excellent oh my like so setting the standard because you do want to have these ways of like people see like normal achievable people this is a slight side tangent relating to what we were saying about like people who are regular size of, I just sent to one of the group chats I'm in, sent a montage of Emmanuel Pescari winning Austria's strongest man again. He's like five foot seven. And yeah. everyone, they were like, they were like, why doesn't everyone know about this guy? He's insanely strong. I was like, yeah, he's like holds well, records. He's normal size. Like, well, we had him on here, remember? And I mean, we did. Like, and I was like, the world's strongest man show. wouldn't bring him, even though he technically qualified, wouldn't let him compete because they, they didn't want, the smaller athlete they want yeah but they want big that, guys only the direction this sport is going and this is something we talked about earlier it's kind of the growth of the sport and, it, and it's not the static lifters it's not the biggest the baddest guy it, it's it's athletes and novikov is a great example of this uh pablo pablo just came into the scene on the higher end and we can talk to people at the lower end i mean me for instance i'm not nowhere near the the most static guy on the field but i've held my own against some really top dudes because i make up the difference in my speed my athleticism i can move and i believe that's the direction the sport is taking not only in the subway classes but also the open and and the the most the couple last world strongest men are great ex great examples of the caliber of athlete the direction things are going Agreed. I love seeing it. I love seeing the athleticism, and and I strongman definitely needs to be a more athletic sport. So heavy, 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 heavy. Let's keep it heavy though. But I want things more fast paced, more moving. Just uh, yes. I want to see the athlete. I want to see the athlete. In everybody. Yeah, agreed. Because you want everyone to be really putting in that work and stuff. Because mm -hmm. I think that's the hard thing of like a lot of promoters are complacent, but then it's easy as like athletes to also get kind. of complacent and it's like trying Absolutely. to push that bar forward to realize that like vote with your dollar and stuff like don't mm -hmm. don't don't pay for shows that like aren't gonna do anything and if it yeah. is a bad enough show like make a deal of it i know there's no refunds in strongman because like 
it's strong man so like you pay what you pay for what you get and so mm -hmm. i, I, I kind of think that's kind of bullshit too which I mean, also point, sucks there's yeah. a point obviously when the promoter has spent your money but like i have i had an experience once where i paid and then three days later unexpectedly i got a an international invite that was at the same time period and i asked the promoter it was not it was nationals for a refund it was the same organization that i got the invite through to help mm -hmm. me make it and they were just like no refunds and i'm like you gotta be shitting me man like you couldn't have spent my day my money in three days three like three months or two two or three months out of the show like you the, the one thing I do disagree, though, but what I do with my shows, if I don't do refunds, but I do allow athletes to use their registration towards uh, future shows of mine. Yeah, I just lost. It was lost completely. So, I mean, there's <laughs> at least there's a little bit of that. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, I think, I'm, I'm bitter because it was the same. It was yeah, the, the same, same the same bodying function. It was the same bodying <laughs> function that gave me an invite, but then, you know, gave me a little finger and like, well, you're on your own. Like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's that's we a little different. That we though. gave you the invite at the same time as the show that you signed yeah, up for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we're not you were, help if you, you out. Yeah, if you paid for my show and then you also qualified for another one of my shows, I absolutely would transfer it over or somehow. Yeah. You know, that that doesn't make that's different though. But I I don't do refunds, but I do I do allow athletes to uh, use their registration for my future shows. So the, their money is more more or less an investment. Yeah. Yeah. And also doing taxes is a bitch when you have to you see that money going in and out and I have to tell my uh, my CPA, "Oh no, no, that wasn't an expense, that was a uh, uh anyways, but wait, that's a that's a whole another podcast for taxes are awful. You should be writing all of this off is what you should be doing. <laughs> oh, I do. I have a whole bank account for this. This 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 stuff is these are all I, these People, are just expenses. I don't think a lot of athletes understand real realize this either or are aware of it. Um as an athlete just as an athlete, the IRS will allow you to write off all of your competition expenses yeah. as long as you're competing for money mm -hmm. for, for up to three years. If you don't make uh, a positive uh, revenue from it in three years, they kind of are like, they'll kind of put a kibosh on it, but you might get audited and fine. But for three years, you're allowed to write off um, all of your competition expenses as an athlete, mm -hmm. as a kind of as a for-profit business. Striving, striving professional. Yeah, uh, you basically. Talk to your yeah. accountant about it because it's it's pretty awesome. It's a good I, deal. I am my accountant. I, <laughs> <laughs> I do I do write off uh, with my coaching and stuff. That is an expense. I, I write that off and what I pay for and all those stuff though. Because, uh, anyways, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. That's true, but I think I think it takes a lot of thought. Like the whole kind of underpinning of this is like this takes thought like running yeah. a big event like doing anything well need to do thought. it let's yeah. let's let's clear that up doing anything well successfully takes thought and a, a lot of the things that we've been bashing on aren't done well so that it right. it think a lot of things there's there's room for improvement um it's i mean i i i think i'm a nice guy people are watching this and probably think i'm just a hater though man but <laughs> I, i'm just i'm very passionate i'm a gym owner i'm a i'm a coach I'm an athlete um, and a promoter, and so I'm, I'm deeply involved in the sport more than I, I would say a lot of people are. And and so I got I got a lot invested, my money, my time, um, my whole life revolves around this sport. And so whenever I see people putting on these shows and and these national level competitions, and they're just fucking thrown together, it looks like my my fucking my my second uncle could have done a better job of coming up with the equipment and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Just some fucking guy off the streets, but 
it, it's very upsetting. It really it 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 hurts me a lot, man. Shelly Shelly knows better than anybody how much I can vent sometimes about some of the stuff I see on the internet and I keep to myself. Oh, yeah. And it just hurts. I take I take it personally, and I know I shouldn't sometimes, but when but you when you care, you do right. And yeah, I've always yeah. said that too. And like I I mean I say inflammatory shit all the time because I have <laughs> because I like I have many years of just like of caring so much and seeing yeah. so much shit that it's like. You know, people may not understand the reason that, you know, John and I, you know, started this, you know, this podcast that really focused on standards. And we're talking about this stuff because it's not to, like you said earlier, it's not just a bash. It's because we care and yeah. we want to see the sport improve, right? Yeah, and, no, absolutely. And, and we can improve if we keep, like, skirting around these hard truths or these hard conversations um, it has to be talked about and, you know, it's going to make some people uncomfortable, but I'm a firm believer that in order to grow, you have to be uncomfortable. Cause I mean, you're, you're, you're uncomfortable in your lifting weights. You want to get stronger. You mm -hmm. got to get uncomfortable. You want to grow, uh, as a sport, as an athlete, you got to be uncomfortable. So I think it's really important that we have these conversations. Um, you know, and yeah. it's going to hurt some feelings along the way, but criticism is how you grow. That was a great model. I, yeah. Like, uh, I've had coaches who like didn't need videos or like didn't care what angle it was from and everything. Um, and Eric Carlson, one of the best coach I've ever had, which to be fair, I have a weird track record with coaches, but he actually was great. And he'd be like, no, you need to film your deadlifts from the side. You need to film from this angle. Mm -hmm. so, like I need to see what needs work and everything. Yeah. Like you need to give me something to work with. And it was uncomfortable because like, it's not the best angle and stuff to like show those things, but you're never going to grow if you're not down for some criticism. Yeah, so, dude. I just like any, walk in to like. Yeah, any athlete I've ever worked with that that it's on. I can already. It's a red flag when they're weird about stuff like that, though. And yeah, and I and you got to be very transparent when it comes to coaching. And this can be taken into anything, though. But having these these tough conversations and stuff and stuff and having people's reactions because I've been pretty outspoken for the most part. Mm. Eh, maybe not as much as you, Darren, but I've been pretty outspoken <laughs> about things I, I dislike about this sport. And I've had people um, lash out at me. And, and it's not because I'm like, I have a personal vendetta against these people. It's it's just, why should I like have any more patience for it? Or why should, why should I tiptoe around your feelings when you're clearly doing something that's affecting all of us in this sport that we're all involved in? Yeah. Yeah. That's where I, I definitely I had I had a I had a person that will remain unnamed. Um, he was putting on a competition. It wasn't doing well. He wasn't getting the registrants he, he was expecting. So he ran a sale and discounted his registration. And I went on this this made a little story. Didn't even tag him or anything. And it, it got to him because he knew it was about him. But I was basically just being like, okay, so you had a certain price. You discounted it because you weren't getting the money you wanted to or the signups. So what are you going to do about all the other people who trusted you and paid full price? The the other the other twenty people who paid the full price. Are you going to dis like give them their money back? Like the registration doesn't work like that. Just because you're not, it's not going the way you want to, doesn't mean you can cut these corners. And, and it, it was a whole thing. But anyways, and it's it's a hard conversation because people yeah. do of like Texas is kind of oversaturated, and it's one of those things to realize that. People, it's good that people are saving their money towards better shows and everything because you can't, 
That's yeah. what the story was. The story was me actually talking to athletes, telling them like, why are you putting your money towards this when it's clear as day? Like it's just a cash grab. I've had plenty of shows that weren't successful. I've had plenty of shows that were, I barely had 40 people sign up and I, I made sure I still, I still put everything into it. And it was a good time. And the people that showed up had a good experience and it didn't take away anything from them just because there wasn't a hundred people loaded. Yeah. And yeah. That's what the story was. It was me basically questioning there's people still signing up. Like it's a huge red flag that this person is now discounting this, these entry fees. It, it, it's just, it doesn't make sense to have, if it's going to be discount, it needs to be an early bird, not not a back end. Oh yeah. no, <laughs> a late please, discount. Please sign up to my competition because I really need this money. That's that's a huge red flag to me. But it is like a tough thing, and people don't always want to put in the work that it takes because a part sure. of it is like to put on a really good show. Mm -hmm. You have to work towards it. Like you don't just walk into clash. You don't walk into chaos. You don't walk into nationals. Mm -hmm. You had to do a lot to get to that point. Sure. I think there's this idea that sometimes people, because you see it like internationally and other things now, people will just be like, this is like the world's biggest show or this is the premier, like this is the biggest show in the game. And I'm like, where did you come from? Like, what's your, what are your credentials to run a yeah. show? Like, yeah. what, like, have you run a world's level thing or are you just calling it like Texas's premier best thing ever? And you're like, we kind of need to see how the receipts of how that happened. Like just Luke, because Luke Davies went on a, a rant about that too recently. About the, <laughs> learn how to spell we're gonna, we're gonna get that right one of these days, hundred percent of the time. Um, I've just been saying it that way for years now. Same, same, same. It's deep programming. Yikes. But anyways, he went on a whole <laughs> tangent about that. This guy this random promoter just started calling him. It was the strongest something. It was over there in Europe, I think, though. But it was just completely ridiculous. And just it, just them being like, okay, well, this is the premier competition just because I said so. And that's just not how it works either, man. Yeah. You got there's, there's steps to these things. There's hands you need to shake. And there's there's people you need to talk to before you think you can be at this level. Um, and, and like, for instance, I'm, I'm doing the Southwest Regionals. And I've had the absolute pleasure and the opportunity to be able to work with Lynn and just the, the, the time I've been able to spend with him and talk to him and bounce ideas off of, I've, I believe I've, that's taken my promoting to the very next level and having just being able to just share the, the OSG name has just been an absolute honor though. Yeah, but it, that's it, huge. I, exactly. But I'm not going to put on this competition after I've never had a conversation with him. You understand? Like, I can't be like, Oh yeah, this is the OSG Southwest unofficial qualifier <laughs> you know what i'm saying um i can't i can't just walk around there swinging around like that but it's just not how it works. also shout out the, to our athlete chase who went up there to test out yeah yeah chase came by today dude i chase, love that guy man chase is an absolute beast for like his size and everything because it's weird because he's shorter oh, than don't, i am don't like, discriminate just... against size <laughs> oh no i mean i because i'm short too chase short i never noticed like... i never noticed you're short chase <laughs> I'm sorry. You just look like a normal Jeez. sized person to me. I'm just saying <laughs> that he is dense. He is dense like Emmanuel. Like density is not a bad thing. These guys need to embrace yeah, density. He's, he's got a great mustache too. Oh yeah, great no, he's, he has great aesthetic. And I think that's that important thing of like making sure things go smoothly of like part of it, what you do for your gym is you don't allow walk-ins. And so, mm -hmm. so it's like curating an environment. And I think sure. 
a lot of these shows have become essentially like gyms that just allow anyone to walk in. Like novices maybe shouldn't be having invites to nationals. You shouldn't like, you might need a bigger class to like, you, you might need a bigger class. You shouldn't be able to go to nationals because there's three of you and you both. Do we want to talk about, do you want to talk about how there's not, there's novice classes at nationals in one federation? Do you guys what? know? Say that again. There. Did you guys see the, the the weight classes for the most the, not to be named? Oh, Are you pulling up your computer right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. There was there's like twenty or thirty different weight classes, and you're gonna tell me that's not a cash grab? Well, I mean, I'm sorry. When you have five hundred plus people at your nationals, and you're inviting novices, that's exactly what it is. It's that's that's what kind of goes back to saying that the business model of strongman and amateur strongman in the U.S. is all built around revenue off of the athlete. Yeah, and it shouldn't be. What, it, so there is opportunities to make money, and I, I hope every promoter does make a, a living off of this. I have yet to do that. Um, but there, at this level, when you're putting on a, a competition of that level, there's no need for that. That that takes away from the people that are at that high level when you're allowing anybody to walk in and do it. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely, and, it does. Because it, 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 it dilutes uh, the significance of, for the people that actually work to get there, the people who stand a chance to win and go on to big, bigger and greater things. Um, and then from a sponsorship perspective, I've, I've bitched about this endlessly, that as an individual athlete with sponsorship, you get out on the floor that is just a massive, just mess of Monster. 500 athletes. You are nobody. Yeah. Your, your sponsors get absolutely zero exposure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. It means nothing. And it means you're, absolutely you're, nothing. You're just cattle. You're just yeah. cattle, man. That's it. That's all they care about, man. They they care about getting you in, getting you through the events, and getting you out. Yep. It, they, they don't care about your experience. And it's very upsetting. Like uh, OSG and stuff, there's 11 weight classes. And Lynn, for instance, as we've discussed the potential of having more weight classes, but there would have to be a huge demand at that level for, for new weight classes to um, come on board. Yeah. And it and, is, yeah. You need to be selective with these things and stuff. At that so level, at that level, yeah, at I that would level, understand. Yeah. I, I would understand novice shows. I've put on shows that were strictly novice. Mm -hmm. I put on shows that are strictly high level amateurs. But to have the interminglings, it, it's just clear as day that your intentions aren't the athletes. It's it's not the your quality control guy. Was it just took a vacation? Yeah. It, it's it's just clear as day and and that not only that competition but the year before the year before the the qualifiers for that and stuff like that and and this goes on to just i know other people feel this way it's not just us three and and if other people feel this way they need to vote they need to be more outspoken they need to yeah. to to be to know who is in charge who's supporting them who's benefiting from them and, and not supporting these people um and that's that's just and it's tough because people do want that, like, they do want the prestige of nationals and everything. But you Yeah, know, like, that's the other thing, too. I know plenty of people that, that do that do these nationals just because they want the clout. Yeah. Or they'll put in their bio that they're uh, naturally qualified. And and it's it's just... It's like people calling themselves world's strongest man. And it's like, yeah. there's no SG. Well, there's no aspects yeah. about that, like... I mean, we can go that on and on, too. I, I'm not a big fan of yeah, these shows yeah. that have just started popping up either and just inviting 
anybody and calling them a pro also. Yeah. Um, we're, now it's a pro class and everybody that competes is now just a pro. And it's like, I mean, there's, there's a loot. Like, I don't like the strongman corp definition of pro either because um, I don't think a card makes you a pro. And I've always kind of wrestled with the idea of like, how is one nationals more prestigious than the other nationals when they're like, they're the same athletes and of basically the same, there's actually more athletes at USS to be <laughs> granted, like 80% of them don't belong there, but um, <laughs> I thought we weren't going to name anybody. <laughs> I know. Hey, I will. I don't care about the organizations. They they're at the top. And like when that, there's a lot of uh, accountability and responsibility to bear there in my sure. opinion. Sure. Um, but uh but yeah, I mean, it's uh, to me though. Like, how does how can one organization monopolize like the pro, pro but the other one doesn't? And and even then, whoa, um, you're not talking about the pro international title. That no, I'm talking about the pro card. No, and I'm talking about yeah, but, no, but I am, I am kind of I am kind of also talking about that because now they have like the qualifier shows. That's like the pro qualifier, but then promoters that are putting on those are calling all of the people that are there to qualify pros. And it's people that like have basically come out of nowhere. I've, I mean, some people are, you know, should probably be there, but. Um, so there's, I'm not going to name this. I don't even care. I don't even know who this promoter is, but it's, it's pro international. It no, it is not a pro show. Not every athlete's getting paid. And it's not international because the weight classes aren't even recognized by 99% of the world. That's the other thing that, like, I've never understood why why USS ever went with powerlifting type weight classes. I can I can tell you that, but I can tell you that, but we're not going to get into politics on here. I know exactly why that happened. There's there's some legal involved. Okay, I mean, yeah, I'm not in the middle. You don't need to say any more there. Yeah, there is legal things involved though. But the thing is, is you just it's like it's like opening up a restaurant and naming it the best super delicious food ever. You you can't just say that. You can't and just say and these serving things. shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what it you, makes... can't, you, you can't just say it's a thing. And 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 Luke Davis, for instance, he he refuses to call it the chaos show pro show, even though it's the highest caliber of 90k athletes in the world. It's not a pro show. He knows it's not a pro show. That at most it's an international show, but he's still not claiming it. It's yeah. it's the chaos classic, and he's trying to build a staple with that name. Yeah. He's not trying to fill it with all of these names and create all of these things so people like you know what I'm saying. It, it's like our, our I mean I'm not even, our last president, no one name him, but he would just go around and start telling people how amazing it is. And that's just not how it works. You can't just right. say you are this thing and you're just this thing now. Everyone's Thank saying you. it though. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Tremendous. Um, but but anyways, it's it's the same thing with these federations, man. Just because they say they're doing it, it, it's just not how it works. So and and going back to Strongman Corporation, I do love the direction they're taking things, even with the upgrade of their website and stuff like that. And I think they're having they have a council. I think they're coming to some type of realization about the the status of what a pro card is what it is to be a pro there's some interminglings with it and stuff like that it, it's very unsure at this point but yeah. i do i do appreciate the effort that's being made in strongman corporation sure where, where effort isn't 
recognized or noticed in a lot of other promoters and yeah. in, in, in um, organizations. To I say think Charmaine stuff. Corpse has some new, well, maybe not new per se, but some very um, good people getting involved now. At the I, I 100% agree. I really do. Um, and that has made some good... No, that's a whole that's a whole can of worms. That's a whole another podcast. Um, no, I think James Deffenbaugh is definitely very heavily involved. I don't I don't know exactly what I do. I do believe he steps up, dude. James 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 is like everything. I fucking love James. I started Strongman with James. He's a great. Um, He's been around forever. Super great guy. Um, and so his involvement is certainly having a very positive impact. I love that they've opened America's Strongest Man up to beyond just the pros because I always kind of felt like that you, they were insulating themselves from competition. Like there's so many people out there that that uh, can still push those guys at the top and actually even beat a lot of them that were just like were just eliminated from the competition and suddenly you be, they became this like elite. Or I don't even elite's not even the right the, the right word, but exclusive, kind of like exclusive, exactly club where they get to like play at pro and like and not compete against anybody else. And it was like it never made any sense to me. Like you just eliminated a shitload of competition from these guys. Yeah. Like what the hell? So I mean, I really like that change. Yeah, I, 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 I overall, I know we've done a lot of bashing. I do believe that the direction the sport is going, not just from my contributions. I'm not saying I'm, I'm the leading cause, but I, I do think the sport as a whole is going in a really good direction. It's growing so fast. Um, I, I, I can notice, I, I've seen it so many different ways from my members to the amount of uh, athletes I've, I've gained over the years and stuff like that though. And, and I do believe that there is more standardization happening. I don't think it's at the pace I would like it to be. I think we definitely need to make a push and be a little more outspoken with the things we like and don't like about what's going Agreed. on. Agreed. Yeah. 100%. Hey, we usually try to keep these under oh, an hour, but we're at an hour. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm we're, starving. Let's no, go. Yeah. yeah. Let's, any, so, any final? Go yeah. ahead, John. I was going to say final words. Also tell yes. people the date of the, what's it called? The North Texas Strength Expo. Yes, yes. Uh, this is going to be my closing. Everybody, August 19th at the Mesquite Convention Center is going to be the North Texas Strength Expo. It's going to be one of a kind. Headlining the entire uh, expo is going to be the OSG Southwest Regional Championship. And we're going to have powerlifting, moss wrestling, sumo wrestling, Highland Games. It's going to be a really exciting competition. It's something I'm going to try to bring to DFW every single year and grow every single year bigger and better each time. So it's something I've been pouring a lot of time into and something I've been wanting to do for many years now, and it's finally happening. Very awesome, man. Yeah. Dude, it was awesome having you here. Uh, great talk. Wish you all the best with the, uh, the promotions. And, I mean, we'll be, we'll be watching closely. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Support us on Patreon or Anchor and find us on Instagram or Facebook. <laughs>